Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's Genesis Invitational. That's storylines. It is best bets. It is the one and done. Joining me to break it all down, Patrick McDonald is here. Patrick, hello to you. It's good to be back, fellas. Uh, you know that video of like the two little kids running towards each other on the street and they hug each other? Um, I feel like that's you two this week after the week you guys had in Scottsdale, and I'm just, just the onlooker, but I'm ha- happy to be back with both of you. Uh, it was it was Romance. truly special. Kyle Porter is here. Happy Valentine's Day, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I got back and uh, my wife said, I don't want anything for Valentine's Day except for you to catch this rat that's outside our house. Which sounds like a euphemism. It's not. There was literally, <laughs> literally a rat outside our house. So that was my welcome back down from your, you know, high of being at an elevated event all week. Did you catch it? Yeah, of course. How did you do it? Di- stick uh, of dynamite from the cartoons. Tell me, stick of dynamite will do the trick. Yeah, we don't have a house anymore, but <laughs> the rat has been caught. Uh, I I put a uh, so rat YouTube is a dark place. But it's a rat hole. I think that's rabbit hole that you're looking ah, for. There. I but, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I basically just went on there, got some tips, threw some honey. I went honey peanut butter, not just regular peanut butter. Sweet. And uh, okay. yeah, he was he was cooked by the by the morning. <laughs> was it like a sticky trap or snapper? Snapper. Is oh, that okay. are those frowned upon? Yeah, you're supposed to catch and release. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, you're, you're supposed to drive 30, you're supposed Kyle, to you might 30 get miles by rat, rat Twitter right to, now. You're supposed to catch it, uh, take it 30 miles inland and put it in something that resembles natural habitat. How do you think rat Twitter compares to live Twitter? Same exact people. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect circle. <laughs> That's so good. That's I. I didn't even like. I should have seen that coming, but I didn't, and it just yeah got me good. That was great. As, ex- Rick. as excited as I am for this episode, I just heard that buzz that comes from your AirPods. Oh, oh. brutal. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to mute you while you get that figured out. Uh, while we do that, Patrick, we oh, haven't had it better. Uh, yeah, actually, I think that is better. Okay, yeah. good. Good. Uh, Patrick, we haven't had a chance to debrief from Phoenix. How was it for you? The first very, uh, how was it eleva- being there? Elevated event. Yeah. We I hate you guys so much. <laughs> <laughs> I have, like, I have the worst case of F- FOMO in general. So real quick, you, you put, uh, this can be your, your jumping off point. You put on Twitter, you said, well, I don't really understand the difference between last, uh, between this year and last year. Right. Yeah. So, Explain that. What do you mean by that? And and like, how did you, how did you perceive or experience the tournament through that lens specifically? So my thing about the designated events so far is I saw people like putting out there that they're so great for the tour. Like this is going to be such a game changer for them. My thing really is how can you judge the designated events as a whole, if it's going to be a success or not at a Phoenix open at a Riviera you know, two fields and tournaments that were, you know, you heard the players talk about it earlier in the week. Like John Rom said, even if it wasn't a designated event, most of these guys were going to be there, right? It was only Rory and Colin were kind of the two outliers, so to speak. And they ended up being non-factors. But my point was being like, let's wait until, you know, maybe the API, a field that struggled a lot uh, or the heritage right after the masters to kind of see if that same aura around these designated events is still there because I mean, everything was going for the PGA tour this week. You had Super Bowl weekend in Arizona, same place. The crowd was going to be electric no matter what. Uh, so all out, my point was really just like, can we 
sit and let let's see how this plays out first before we go and rush and say it's the best thing ever. What would be a good litmus test, like travelers? I think I think it's Wells Fargo for me or RBC Heritage. I think it's the Heritage the week after a major. For for me, is probably API, a field that's really struggled uh, in recent years because of its place on the calendar, and it's I think the week before uh, the players. Yeah, this stretch is crazy. I I think um, I think what you're saying is valid, but I also think. So sometimes, Patrick, we do this thing where we forget what uh, events are like. We just because we haven't had one in since the Tour Championship, basically. And so I think it was almost this. I guess you get the capital in there, but it was almost this remembrance of like, oh, the Phoenix Open, especially with a slightly better field. This is pretty awesome. And so it was this almost like remembrance of that and then transferring it to uh, what is it? 11 more PGA tour events through uh, for the rest of this season and, and projecting that ahead of like, Oh, this 11 more times is, is also going to be awesome. So I, I don't know that it was necessarily even about the Phoenix open. It was just remembering what, what that type of event is like, and then projecting it forward. I don't think you can project the Phoenix open forward though. Don't you but think? That, well, but that's no, I think you can because that was the type of field that's going to be like let's let's pretend like let's just say f- for example the Phoenix Open wasn't an elevated event. Let's mm-hmm. just say it was a regular Phoenix Open this year. Let's say they only made twelve elevated events instead of are they elevated or designated? Uh, technically uh, designated, but okay. that doesn't make well, any sense. Whatever. Let's just say they made twelve. <laughs> You still, I mean, ROMs, right? You, I think you still would have gotten a good field. And you could have said, like, hey, pretend like this, but project it forward into 11 other events. I get that they're, I get that you don't have 200,000 people at the RBC Heritage, but it, it's still great players, great field. I think better atmosphere because those players are there. I mean, Rick and I were talking about this. Rick was so good on this, talking about how. The Phoenix Open is the best about having an identity of any. I think the Players Championship is up there also, but of any kind of regular PGA Tour event, it has the it has the it knows what it is, right? And that's a very difficult thing to get to. It seems easy. Live is trying to do it with all of its events, and it's it's really hard to to get there. And I think some of these some of the designated elevated stuff is going to give some of these tournaments, Rick, a little bit more of an identity of who they are. Yes. Let's, uh, let's try to fix your AirPods again, but you're absolutely right. (laughs) And the idea around this, Patrick is not every week could possibly have 250,000 people and a drinking contest to go along with a little bit of a golf tournament. Right. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. for the vast, I think for the vast majority of the people, the golf was secondary or tertiary to the fun that was going on, but every event has an opportunity to do something and lean into something Riviera this week, whether it was an elevated event or not, here's what I would do. I would lean into Hollywood. I would have this be, you've got all the stars here. The, Cart pass would have Hollywood stars of every player in the field. There would be a area around 10 that is red carpeted and exclusive, right? Like you can lean into, you can lean into your things and make these tournaments that matter a lot more often. I I understand that point. My, uh, I guess my main, I guess not necessarily a gripe, gripe adjacent was just, We talked about, you know, you kind of hit on it that the Phoenix Open is so different than everything else. And it's so much better because it it's leaned into that. Um, And I guess to I guess I'm kind of agreeing with you guys now, but almost to my point where, (laughs) uh, you know, those other events haven't leaned into it, like Kyle said. So how can we project it to those events that haven't? I think that's fair. And I think we're we're sort of on the same page with some of this stuff, you know, one of my things that I said to Rick last week about the Phoenix open is that it forces sometimes the PGA tour takes itself too seriously, right? They, they pretend is it, they don't pretend. And there's, when I say the PGA tour, I don't mean there's like one person doing this or 
it's anybody's fault. It's just sort of the overall disposition of the organization of the brand. It takes itself a little bit too seriously when it, when it, when the reality is we have four or five weeks a year to take things seriously. The tour, I think, needs to lean a little bit more into the absurdity of a Phoenix Open. Of now, Riv is is uh, is different because it doesn't like it would feel awkward if you try to lean into absurdity there. It's a little bit more regal, right? But I just think I, I love Phoenix because it forces the tour to not take itself seriously, and I think that gives it this more of a. It doesn't mean it's not competitive. It just gives it more of an entertainment. Um, Tiger was talking about like make a good product type feel. And I think that's, I think Phoenix is a really good product. And I think it's this sort of the, um, style, if you will, of what the tour should be going for everywhere. Lean into the regalness, lean into Tiger Woods. Why is there not, uh, a, a place for fans to hit shots into washing machines? Why are they not selling those iconic outfits? Like when he was growing up wearing those like red and yellow fits, like why are we not leaning into something at every single event? I don't know, Rick. Last time we talked, you said you should be in charge of the PGA Tour schedule. So uh, I should be in charge sounds, of the PGA Tour. Schedule. Sounds like your your pitch is coming along swimmingly. And branding, I should be in charge of branding and the PGA Tour schedule. <laughs> Easy stuff. I'll t- I'll take care of it right now. Um, KP, we'll put a bow on Phoenix. Uh, we should have. We should. We should have had. Netflix follow us around last week, <laughs> shown the behind the scenes of us hobnobbing with celebrities and going to happy hours and doing all the fun stuff. Joseph here gets it. He would watch a reality show of us on the road. Remind me of which celebrities we hobnobbed with. I mean, uh, we saw Alex Rodriguez from 400 yards away. There we go. Uh, one thing, <laughs> by the way, that uh, a suggestion that was sent to me on Monday was at every event, you should have a group of fans that were categorized by their handicap trying to hit the most prominent shot that was hit the year before. <laughs> so nice. like it, if it was... Um, I'm trying to think of Riv. Well, Riv last year there wasn't really a Joaquin kind of dominated that. Uh, let's say the okay. Let's say the Max Homa shot from the year before from from the tree, like where he was stymied by the tree. Have six fans try to hit that shot, make some content out of it, stuff like that. I think not to take it back to that conversation would be um, you would really be leaning into that specific location, locale, event, whatever. Uh, the Phoenix thing was i mean listen we've both been to better or more important events better events better fields whatever that was one of the most i thought fun weeks of my career anyway just in terms of getting to be on set with you and joe musso and our crew was amazing and it's easier to talk to players and caddies at a regular tour stop than it is at a major championship the that was our both of our first time to be at TPC Scottsdale. It was really interesting and fun and cool. I would love to uh, be back there. So I, it, just the whole thing was one of the more enjoyable weeks I've ever had in this in this job. TPC Scottsdale very underrated. Everyone talks about. 16 the whole closing stretch is great uh obviously the fans and everything else but like pristine conditions just tpc scottsdale in general very very underrated and i think mark said this on our uh, on our sunday show he he a little bit took it from me but i actually thought his idea was better he said have a president's cup there i had originally said have a writer cup there which people have been saying for a while. So that's not even an original take by me, but I actually think the president's cup idea is probably, it fits more with like the, the tour and the TPC uh, course. And, you know, it might be a little too absurd for a Ryder cup. I think it would be the proper amount of, of absurd for a uh, president's cup. Should we ask Patrick our question of the week last week? Oh yes. This is a question. So, so for those of you who aren't aware and you can probably figure it out, Kyle's very good at like asking questions and like getting responses out of people and like stirring up a good conversation. And there was one overarching question that we kind of asked everybody we encountered. So yes, Kyle, please pose said question to Patrick. Patrick McDonald. What is one thing that is pretty, much universally liked or loved that you 
look at it and just say, ah, I think I'll pass. I think I'm good. I'm out on that. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm back in the conversation. I, I, I mean, you got, it's like, I'm on the outside of the circle. You guys got your inside <laughs> jokes now. Like, I'm, I'm afraid of how long this is going to last. This is like when Scovron and Tom Kim are, are in the same group as Fowler and his new caddy. Like yeah. they, yeah. It, it's just like, well, I, I'm not, I'm not in anymore. Gosh, this is, um, but <laughs> it, it's going to be pie for me. Just man up and eat cake. Oh, you, know? you did respond. I, I did see that. Apple. Just apple any, any pie or specific yeah. apple specifically well, or any pie? apple pie is like an American staple. I'm out on that. Man up and eat cake. How is <laughs> they're not, they're not cake is just cake is so much better than pie. I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that. I'm wondering where the man up part comes from. <laughs> just, you know, just came out of my mouth. Sometimes words just spew. You don't really have control over it. Came out of your pie hole. Oh, <laughs> zinger. Uh, pie. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if I. Agree. I mean, I don't agree with it. I think I can. Get, I think I can get on board with it though. Are, Who are you guys? Seinfeld. Music. Okay. You probably love Seinfeld though, Patrick. Uh, I I've just seen like it sparingly in like little spurts. Not a. Uh, not the entire series. Get uh, producer Troy, jump in here. I want to hear producer Troy. Thank He's you. got to have one, or any of our producers. We got yeah, we're actually our double. We are double barreling on producers right now, which is very exciting. Jump in, Josh. Mm-hmm. Let's baptize you. <laughs> okay, what do you got, Troy? I like the pie call. It's gosh. I don't know. I don't have one yet. Jeff. Uh, for me, it's college uh, football. Go first. Whoa, college football. That's a take. Wow. <laughs> yeah. jo- Josh's debut. <laughs> the very first words he ever said on the pod was just just out on college football. Josh just comes out with a bazooka <laughs> in episode one. That's Man. incredible. Josh m- might last shorter than the swole yeah. patio. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Wow. wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, baseball. I re- I re- baseball. I re- wow. This is tough crowd. I respect the absurd. I respect the brazenness of Josh's take. <laughs> Potatoes. Huh? What, what is it about college football that you're like? What is it? What is it about college football? Um, really my main gripe, I guess more specifically, it would be the college football playoff because like, We've had like four of them that have been decided, but like the the national championship game this year was <laughs> the very first one that was even worth watching, and none of them are ever competitive. It's been there have been like four of them in the entire college football playoff that have been decided by less than fourteen points. So I just I, I don't get it. All of them are over before the first quarter is over. I'm just not a fan. It's a good take. First. You heard it here first. Wait, did you say the final this year was the first one worth watching? Well, it wasn't was, it like a seventy-point game. <laughs> yeah, but it was close. Oh no, no, no! Sorry, the 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 semifinal. Oh uh, yes, 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 yeah, yeah. yes. Sorry. Two two great semifinal games, and then a blowout in the finals, right? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My bad. That's kind of how I feel about um, the like the Super Bowl is usually a. a a blow like a just not a good game compared to the nfc or afc championship i think those games are traditionally just better games kind of like match play too you know like the final always stinks i feel like oh you mean like the dell match play yeah they're tired that, by the time they get to the final is that yeah. over by the way dude it better not be it better not be it's not on the calendar for next year. So, Troy, producer Troy, the problem with your take is I don't know if baseball is is I don't know how beloved baseball is. You're a generation late for that take. Yeah, yeah. if you would have said that in like the 60s, you'd be like, "Who's this guy?" You know, <laughs> like that's what you're trying to do. Is is like who who why is this guy saying this? I mean. I'm a like Yankee fan. It gets boring. If you were like, I'm out on LeBron, people would be like, what? 
Like yeah. if I said LeBron's better than MJ, that type of no, thing. No, no, no. By the way, we're at, speaking of Phoenix, Patrick, we're at Phoenix. I'm in Rom's press conference. Oh, I heard you. Did you hear this? Oh, yeah. What did you think? I'll just tell the story and then you can tell me what you thought. We get to, we get to the end of Rom's press conference and Rom goes, okay, I got a question for all of you guys. And I was like, wow, okay. I've, been, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> and uh, he goes, Le- LeBron's going to break the record tonight. Le- who you got, LeBron or MJ? And so I, I grabbed the microphone. I was like, I'll take this, John. We'll, we can talk about this. John. I said, boy. I said uh, it's kind of a Tiger uh, Jack Nicholas situation where Jack has more wins, but Tiger was better at golf. So MJ has more titles, but LeBron is just better at basketball. And he was like, okay, I don't care. Like, who do you think is better? <laughs> is basically what he said. I was like, well, based on that, I think Tiger's better than Jack. So I have to think that LeBron is better than MJ. And he was like, okay, got a lot of LeBron fans in here. What, what did you think about that, about that, uh, exchange, Patrick? Um, one, I mean, you're absolutely electric on the mic. Oh, uh, in well, of, thank you. In front of your peers, uh, coworkers. It was very brave of you. And John Rom, that stare he has, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if he was like an MJ stan and just, yeah. just yeah. lit me up. <laughs> Like shows, he has an MJ jersey underneath his uh, polo. Uh, that would have been awesome. But I do agree with you where athletes just naturally, like with time, they evolve to become better athletes. Yeah. And so from that respect, it is LeBron over MJ. And I'm not even like a LeBron uh, fan. I would say I, I like MJ more, but LeBron's a better basketball player. Yeah. Okay, uh, get out of here, producers, before you burn this place down <laughs> with, with uh, hot takes. Okay, speaking of content creation and uh, more. Ooh. Yeah. Today is Valentine's Day, which means tomorrow is the 15th, which means tomorrow is when the Netflix docuseries is released. Uh, technically, as of right now, if you really want to, episode one is available. There was a Super Bowl commercial with the QR code. It's on YouTube. You can go watch the first episode right now. Anybody can do it. You don't need to be in the press. But we've kind of had some sneak peeks. And Patrick, you've, um, you're, you watched the first episode. You said you got takes. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily about the uh, the show itself, although the, this like uh, English TV or uh, newspaper TV critic put out an article. I don't know if you guys saw it. I did. It, it, it had to be like top 10 funniest things I read uh, this it's, year. It's still early in the year, but it's all time. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> um, but mine is more like there's a lot. I'm not hating the players. When I say this, I'm hating more of the game. Mm. Um, are, are we going to do before I say this, are we going to do recap episodes of each episode? Yeah. I mean, we probably like should, Okay. Um, right. and I'm, whatever y'all want to do. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say anything then. <laughs> no, 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 just, just get, tell us your take. All right. My take is ev- like everyone's doing these recap episodes, which is fine. I'm not hating on that. I get it. You get eight free episodes of content. People are going to tune in. It's great. Numbies are going to be through the roof. Mm-hmm. I understand that, but people listening to this, which are probably some of us viewers. You're just listening to a recap of a recap that you mostly know about. It's like, what are we doing? Like, do you need a podcast for a documentary of something you kind of already know? There are uh, literally the most successful podcasts are, are retrospects of television shows going episode by episode of things you've already watched. Yeah, but his, but, but, but that's different because yeah, you his, don't know what's happening. Like yeah. Game of Thrones, it's like theories. White Lotus, it's theories no. going forward. There are no, there are there are podcasts like Office Podcasts and Seinfeld Podcasts that are very successful that did not start until twenty years after the series had ended. All right, I'm out on Seinfeld. Then I'm with Kyle. Then if if that's the case, and like, I that's baffling Sweet. to me that those are successful. I get what you're saying. I okay. I watched the first episode, and like I know the outcome of the tournament in the first episode, which 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 for me, which means for me, there is no drama in the in like the outcome, which is like the overall story arc. But I did like the behind the scenes stuff and the nature, and it was obviously very well produced. But I unfortunately already know what happens. 
Yeah, I think. Uh, okay, that that was my take. My only takeaway from the first episode <laughs> was that they kind of painted it like JT has been Speed's little brother for the past like three years, and it that like really hasn't been the case at all. Don't do you guys agree with that or no? Uh, I I didn't walk away thinking that thought. I can see. I don't necessarily disagree with with what you're saying, the way that it was framed, but he got out of that shadow six years ago, five years ago. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, but it's like, I mean, it's obviously for like people who aren't really into golf cause they're explaining like what par is and everything like that. Well, I, so I think for those people, it could come <laughs> off that way. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, that part was, Again, Rick and I talked about this a lot in Phoenix. Sorry, Patrick, but <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna see myself out. <laughs> it, it's uh, it's not made for us. That doesn't mean that we can't enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. And there are parts of it that I have enjoyed a lot. There's a clip from episode eight <laughs> that is just gonna talk about doing numbies this clip is gonna do some numbies um the, the here here's the weird part about the first episode so it's jt spieth it's the pga championship it's them playing a practice round at southern hills and kind of telling the story of jt's pga it, we we always complain about not showing enough golf. I actually thought it showed too much golf. Like the whole second half of the episode was just golf shots, but it was almost like I wanted more of that time of the, of uh, that was spent showing golf shots, showing ones that they didn't really focus on. Right. So the the three wood into seventeen in the playoff. The the. Um, the just filthy cut that JT hit and, and uh, two putted for birdie to basically lock up the PGA championship. They showed it, but I wanted every angle. Like I wanted five minutes on that talking about it, um, showing every angle of it, people mic'd up. I wanted, you could have made the whole episode about that shot and I would have loved it. Now, again, not made for me and not, I'm not the target audience, Although some of it is is very enjoyable for me, but that part was weird in that it showed a lot of golf, but I didn't. I don't know if it contextualized the golf that I necessarily wanted to see. Does that make sense, Rick? Yes, I we're. I don't think we're the demo. Um, my wife loved it, but okay. yes. So she gave it a ten. Out of, she gave it a ten out of ten. Now the the thing is, um, right. So I understand. So there, there, like, there's comments that are like, "Oh, why would you even have to describe what a par is, what a birdie is, how this stuff works?" Which is like, "Ha ha, yeah, that's crazy." But I needed that when I watched the F1. Totally, one. Yeah, and yes. I needed it when I watched the tennis one of like how these tournaments work and all that stuff. So they get through it in the same way they do the other the other docu series, and I think it's just fine. You're never going to hear. You're never going to see a graphic that says, you know, birdie is one under moving forward again. Um, well, it, it, uh, they actually do explain how a tournament works in like five of the episodes, which is crap, which is um, a little bit tough. But again, like to to look at it from their point of view, us three are going to watch the whole thing, no matter if they just have Dan Rappaport up there saying Tiger's name a million times in a row. Like it, it, it it's uh, like we're just going to watch it. They don't need to like, they don't need to do anything for us. Like we have to watch it. Um, my friends who are kind of into golf and like maybe watch it with their wives, like that's who explaining par is for, or, uh, explaining how a tournament works is for. Cause even my friends that play golf and are into it, they don't necessarily watch the tour every week or they don't necessarily watch all the major championships, you know? And so I think that's who the sort of explainer stuff is, is actually for what's episode two Poulter Brooks, Brooks, Brooks. and Scotty Brooks and Scotty. It's, it's, uh, there's some Brooks stuff in there that, uh, he talks in such a way that it makes you forget that he was ever the kind of cocky. I'm never losing to anybody again, type of, of, player 
because he basically in the episode is like, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I have it. And you're like, Whoa, like this is, this isn't Joel Damon saying that it's Brooks Kepka saying that, you know? And, and I think that is, uh, and it juxtaposes it with, uh, it, it juxtaposes it with Scotty Scheffler's story. And it's really interesting because basically in it, Brooks is like, I, I don't, I can't play with Scotty Scheffler. He says, he, he literally says that. And you're like, wild. man, like, is this, and, and so it gives you a better, it actually gives you a better lens into why he would go to live. Now, is that a injury thing? Is that a confidence thing? Is it probably all of the above wrapped up in something? Yeah, it's probably that, but it does give you a better sort of explanation of why the live thing was, was compelling to him. Okay. I wanted mine more into that, but we'll do that on recap episode for number two. Podcast the, uh, coming. the best episode, <laughs> the best episode is the da- Joel Damon episode, which is what number? Uh, five, three is Poulter. No, I think it's four. Yeah, it's four. five is Fitzpatrick. Five is Fitzpatrick. Six is uh, Finau and Morikawa, I think. And then seven is Sahith and Mito. Do you, then, uh, sorry. And the, the last one is Rory Cam. I watched the last one, obviously. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, there's some, there's some stuff in there. There's yeah. some newsy stuff, but also some very memeable stuff in there. They have Rory and VR goggles. It's going to just get memed to a blue. I, I saw the, I saw like that in like the what's coming later in the, in the show. And I was like, uh, that's amazing. It's going to get, I mean, just memed into outer space. Go ahead, Patrick. What were you going to say, Patrick? Uh, nothing. It's not important. How about this? You know what is important, Patrick? Tiger Woods. Tease it up this week. Tiger Woods. Alert, really? alert. 32 minutes into a podcast. Tiger Woods. Name shows up for the first time. First non-major PGA Tour event that he will tee it up in in over 800 days. He did it again. He went to the presser and he said, I wouldn't be here if I didn't think I could win. He said it again. Yeah, uh, the the best question from the presser was definitely uh, from Kevin Van Volkenberg at the end. I think, Kyle, you tweeted out yeah. a clip of Tiger talking about it. If yeah. no one's seen his answer and it's kind of just him like in real time coming to grips of potentially being a ceremonial golfer. You could see his, you could see his, you could see like the head, like, like the brain moving on that response, which is cool. And I, I put the question in our slack and it's like he started off by saying i can definitely win i wouldn't be playing otherwise it's kind of just crazy to me that 47 year old tiger woods a bum leg bad back ankles hurting still has plantar fasciitis in his foot uh like why like why do you think you can compete with like a scotty scheffler or john rom rory McIlroy? uh and that to me is just incredibly fascinating uh, but you know, it's people have doubted Tiger before, and I've been proven wrong. I don't, I don't know if that'll ever happen again. But if, uh, if he'll ever win again, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Tiger's uh, not. Tiger's not going to win again. It's just like he's his opportunities are now essentially all major championships. When you think about the field strength of yeah. what he'll play in, yeah, and that's. Uh, I, it's it's interesting because he's so the, if you look at the three components of of him as a golfer being physical, mental, and then this sort of like desire or heart or however you want to say it, physically not there, desire very much still there, and heart and like all that whatever however you want to call that, and then mentally I think he's kind of hung up in between. I think mentally he's kind of there, but he. I think he's like mentally tired, you know, after, after decades of just putting his body through all these things and scaling the mountain. And, and it's, it's a mentally grueling thing to get into a position practice wise where you can compete at that level. And I think he, even if like, he can't, he can't prepare to even get himself in that position because his body won't allow him to. 
But even if he could, I think mentally he's kind of worn down by doing that over and over and over again. So it's those three things that are kind of like in tension with one another that sort of, I think, was what he was trying to explain in that answer to KVV. And I think that specific thing about him, like him grappling with his own, like who he is as a golfer over the next several years is going to be the most fascinating part about the Tiger Woods story. Tea times are out. <laughs> Great follow. You, <laughs> you want to hear this freaking group of golfers that are going off the first tee at 12.04 PM off of uh, Riviera, that stage up there <laughs> off number one. Tiger. Rick, Rick can't even talk. He's so excited. <laughs> Tiger Woods is playing. Who who would be like the two best players you could put Tiger Woods in to get me into a lather? Um. Well, we, we both know the answer, but I'm going to guess uh, Jonathan Vegas. Close. And uh, Victor. Doug, Doug Gim. No, Victor is not in this group, but that would be, I would be on the floor if that was the case. <laughs> Justin Thomas and Rory McElroy. Okay, I've got a, this might be my other answer besides Seinfeld. I'm out on super groups. I think they're, I think they are literally the most unfair part about the game. And it's not Rick, even close. Rick, do you have any like uh, numbers behind these super numbers. groups? Like who plays well in them and like who doesn't? Because some yeah, guys definitely there's, struggle. There's usually not enough data to be like, did he just have a bad day or did he have a bad day because he had to play in a group with Patrick Reed or Rory McIlroy or whatever, right? There's usually not enough of that. Okay. But uh, Kyle, I, I kind of agree with that. Like spread the wealth a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like it's a big golf course. You got a whole day ahead of you. You don't need the three, you know, arguably biggest stars on the PGA tour right now, uh, all in one group. Sounds like yeah. speed slander over there. Here's, here's the group that goes after that 11 Spieth minutes, four. 11 minutes three. later, three. Jordan speed, Colin Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I, why, why do you say it's unfair, Rick? Because any time that, um, you either as a top player have to play with other top players or as a lower end player, never playing with lower, only ever playing with lower end players. It creates a situation where like the tee times and the pairings are just not equitable, right? Like there are advantages and disadvantages to playing with in a group with Rory McIlroy. You're doing it in front of uh, tens of thousands of people instead of in front of two people. Mm -hmm. And Rory, Tiger, and JT are never, if you're a featured group, you are never the first group off in the morning. You're never the 6.55 a.m. tea time. It's just, they, these should be randomly drawn. I cannot believe, I mean, I know exactly why. There's, a re there's great reasons for why they do it. But this to me is the most unfair part of tournament golf. Well, but are you trying to make it fair? Or are you trying to make an entertaining product? Um, I could, I, I could do both. I think what I would do is cut the tournament down to fifty-four holes, make them teams, and then do a shotgun start. There we go. What do you guys think? Rick and I, Rick and I are both in on the shotgun start. By the way, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would I mean, be down for a shotgun start the first two rounds. That's what we said. Yeah. Although, Can't do it over the weekend. Yeah, it is. It, this is an interesting point, Rick, because we talked a lot about Xander's drop at Phoenix. And I was getting worked up about, and we, you and I talk about this a lot when Patrick's not there, especially. Uh, <laughs> Almost exclusively while Patrick's Yeah, there. for sure. About how when you're on camera, it, it, it you're playing whether you whether you want to say it's it's more beneficial or more detrimental it's different than if you're not on camera right sometimes that works in your favor sometimes it works against you but uh i was getting and and it's, it's sort of the same thing here right like if you're if you're a top player you're never going to have the 6:45 a.m. tea time and i think some of the, some of that works against you and some of it works for you um I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about that. 
it is worth acknowledging that it's certainly different than what a Ben Griffin goes through. There, Russell Knox, Nick Watney, and Thomas Dietrich, who go off at 6.40 a.m., will deal with a 25-degree change of temperature during their round, while um, these supergroups and these featured groups will not. Just play better. If you play better, I've, you, you I've, get yourself into these few. I've heard future playing group. better or being Ricky Fowler, although that's not um, – He's he actually, he actually is playing better. Ricky's now, good so. now. Um, but to Kyle's point, it's kind of like the uh, Cam Smith at the FedEx Cup St. Jude. Like if, if that's not on camera and he's not Cam Smith, that drop probably mm-hmm. doesn't really get looked at. Or Rick, I mean you talked about you want to be branding and scheduling, but let's not forget you're also a rules official there in uh, Las Vegas for Lucas Herbert, right? That's right. I'm doing it all. I am carrying a lot of weight for the tour. <laughs> so, so Kyle, what you're saying is right where you you might get the level temperatures throughout the day, but you're also under more scrutiny because all the eyes are on you. Yeah. Sometimes, and, sometimes having a camera is to your benefit. Well, and I guess I'm a little bit talking out of both sides of my mouth because I was hollering about the Xander drop and about how everything needs to be level and the rules need to be adjudicated and now i'm talking about how like well it's just an entertainment product you know but i think those are i think they're i don't know like is is, are tea times part of the rules of the game should they be i I don't know i think that's a i think that's an interesting conversation and i don't i don't know maybe they should be randomized i mean is there is there like a is there a is there a gambling or betting uh benefit to being like to going off at different times, right? First round leaders, morning. True. Yeah, I mean the course is. Just, I mean the course is in a more. The greens are in a better in better shape in the morning. And it's but that's why the, that's why these guys have one morning tea time and one afternoon tea time. We're trying to make it fair. It's why they go off one one round and ten on the other. Well, the and the other part is, and Tigers had this for years, is you get such big galleries that they're it becomes like there's no rough. You can't hit it in the rough because there's not any because it gets trampled down. And so <laughs> like, again, that's a normal sport thing. You're not even playing the same uh, feet, like uh, field of play that everybody else is playing. Literally. You're not like you, you, uh, Scott Stallings, I don't know, just always go to him. He can hit it in the rough on uh, whatever, 12 at Riviera and tiger, can't because there isn't any because there's 6,000 people watching him, you know, and I just don't know that you can do anything about that. And that's where it gets to be. You could do something about the tea times, um, but I don't know if you should. I don't know if that's the same thing as the rules conversation. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. It's a conversation we can have another day. We're going to get to our bets and our one-and-done selections. We'll go through them rather quickly. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between. But solving foot pain is simple. And that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
And we're back. Okay, gents, this is where we take our 100 nuggets. We go over to Caesars Sportsbook and we find one matchup in which we put 50 on it. We find one finishing position, any of our choice, in which we put 30 on it. Then we get 10 for outright number one, 10 for outright number two, and then we get an extra 50 nugs uh, for a best bet, a money ball, anything that we want. Let's start with our betting grid and our matchups, gentlemen. Uh, There is a common name in all three matchups, but we have a little bit of difference of opinion. Do we have this graphic, please? Thank you kindly. Cool. Patrick, Kyle, you guys have opted for Sung JM over Victor Hovland. Both of you, Patrick, you go first. Uh, KP, good news. I've kind of been hot on the head-to-head train. He has. Uh, So... (laughs) That is good news. It's not often. It's not often, but you're you're buying. You might be buying the stock at an all time high here. Uh, but uh, Victor Hovland, he's played two top fives here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but he's he's ball striked the crap out of it both of those times. I, I know that's his bread and butter, but the higher rate of miss greens here combined with his short game gives me some pause. And Sungjae has just been playing great. And when you look at uh, this leaderboard compared to it really compares to like a Tory Pines and an Augusta National a lot of times. And Sung Jay has played unbelievable at both those venues. So plus money, Sung JM, who I believe is a better player right now over Victor Avalon. Yeah, a lot of the same for me. Sung Jay is one of like eight guys that is gaining more than two strokes per round over his last 20. It's Rom, Scheffler, Rory, Xander, Morikawa, Finau, Day, Hatton, Sung Jay, and Justin Rose. So. I think him and Rose are probably the most underrated out of that group. Uh, Victor, I mean, we saw it on the range last week, Rick. He was grinding. Uh, he still, I mean, he played decently well in Phoenix and he plays very good on this course. So I don't feel a ton of confidence about it, but I just think, I think Sung Jae is a little bit underrated right now. Sung Jae in plus 105 over Victor Hovland for both Kyle and Patrick. I've taken Victor on the winning side over Cam Young. Speaking of guys that I worry a little bit about their short game right now, uh, Cam Young last year was the rare combination of powerful but savvy around the greens and with the putter. We're not necessarily seeing that as much anymore. I'll take Victor with great course fit, great course history over Cam Young. Patrick, this is where a run is going to start for you. Uh, it's going to be, yeah, I don't think these are typos, right? This is, this is, this is all accurate. What we're seeing on the grid. Um, it is now. Yeah, we're going with it. No going back. There is a lot of Justin Thomas on your card moving forward. You start here with the top 10. Uh, yeah, Justin Thomas. I, I've been pretty critical of him kind of in his play since the Canadian Open. It, it hasn't been great, but I think he turned the corner last weekend. He gained almost like five strokes on approach the last two rounds. Uh, drove the ball like a stallion. Second tee to green for the week. Uh, and this is, of course, that's been very kind to him. He has three top 10 finishes the last five uh, appearances here. If it wasn't for J.P. Holmes icing the kicker on him, playing four corners that one year, uh, he, he's probably a champion. So give me J.T. every which way. And it starts with a top 10 at plus 190. Uh, K.P., you've opted to take the Aussie angle. The Aussies seem to play very well here at Riviera. Adam Scott, past champion, you're asking for a top 20. Yeah, top 20. He finished T4 here last year, which I actually kind of forgot about, but he's plus 210. I didn't even really look at his recent form. I don't care that much just because of how well he's played on this golf course. Uh, I like him to, I like him a lot actually to finish in the top 20, which means he's for sure missing the cut. Stevie Williams on the bag. There he is. Yeah. Sweet. Plus 210. Uh, plus 240 for my selection, Sahith over, excuse me, top 20. And this is just such a, uh, this is a much better spot for him than TPC Scottsdale is with the way that he drives it and everybody's going to be playing out of the rough. And he is still very volatile, but he's actually getting a little bit more consistent. I think he has three top tens in his last like seven starts and he hasn't missed a cut in a while. So we're, we're getting, we're getting the learning curve. He's figuring it out. And I got him that plus 240 to finish inside the top 20. Uh, 
Uh, I'll just go very quickly here to outrights. I'm living at the top of the board. I watched John Rahm, KP. We walked with him. Um, he sucks up all the oxygen. He is not even remotely playing well and can beat almost anybody. I'll take him at eight to one. And I took JT. Patrick's right. It looks like he found something. Looks like he's about to snap off. I got him at 16 to one. Wow. That's incredible. Cause I got the same number twice with JT <laughs> allegedly twice. Um, this might have to be a Mark Immelman situation when we look back on it and be like, Oh, you know what? I actually had uh, Rory McIlroy at 10 to one. Uh, need, I don't, I don't know what happened. You need but, your, you need your numbers audited there. <laughs> uh, may, after the fact. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. After, I mean, for I, sure. I, yeah, I can, uh, I was an auditor back in the day, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, sixteen to one, Justin Thomas. Uh, I, I don't think I need to say more. Well, I'll keep the sixteen to one going. I've got Xander at sixteen to one, and then Morikawa at twenty. Guys, Morikawa. I'll start with Morikawa. His numbers over his last twenty rounds. I mean, so you you're looking at the best ball strikers, other than Morikawa, have been Rory Scheffler and Xander, and they're all at about two strokes per round gained in ball striking, which is really good. Like really, really good. Finau and Rahm are up there close to two, but not quite as high as the other guys. Morikawa is at 2.3. He has been striking the hell out of it. And I know he missed the cut last week. I think Riv is a better spot for him. Finished T2 last year. Last year. Uh, Xander's been super consistent. The, the WD in Kapalua feels like it was five years ago. There's just been no issues since then. And he's playing really consistently. I mean, we talk about Rom's high floor. I think Xander's four. It's not as high, but it's it's among the highest in the game. So I like him at 16 to 1. Rom, Xander, Morikawa, JT, JT, JT on the board for the boys. Uh, we obviously think an elite player is going to win this golf tournament. We then had the producers give us an extra 50 bones and we took it over and found any bet in the whole wide world that we could fathom. KP, you are taking Max Hima because he is him. Mm. No? Mm. Uh, that, was that Chugi? Uh, I'm not. Man, you hey, guys go you go to Scottsdale one week and do you know what? Do you know all what the lingo? Do you know what Chugi means, Patrick? Uh, it's come across my desk before, but I'm not super super aware of it. But man, who who were you guys hanging out with in Scottsdale? People that are younger than us. I doubt Some that ASU coeds or what's going I, on. No, I doubt that it has come across your desk. That doesn't, like, that doesn't sound like the kind of thing that would come across one's desk. I mean, you'd be surprised. Come across the desk, you know, piece of paper coming in from the intern. You know, sure, sure, Chugi. Um, sorry. Elaborate though on Chugi. Oh, it's have, just something have, that yeah, me, us old people, me and Rick think is cool, but according to young people like you, is not. Uh, can be used broadly to describe someone or something that is out of date or trying too hard. Okay, interesting. Um. <laughs> So like live live marketing would be chuggy. <laughs> Me Might calling Max Homa Max Hima would be chuggy. Max Homa or Hima, whatever. <laughs> uh, top ten plus two twenty plays great. Obviously at Riv, he's coming off of a. Uh, he he didn't finish great last week, but you know obviously won at Tory. He's been hitting the ball really well. Uh, I like the number. It's probably a fair number, uh, but I think he finishes in the top 10 this week. You could, I mean, I was tweeting about this last week. You can make a case that Homa, if he finishes high up at Riv, is one of the three or four best guys in the world right now. I, I don't have him there. I released my KP GR on Monday, and he's not in the top five, but you could at least make the case, I think. Max Oma top 10 plus 220. I'm going Wyndham Clark top 40 minus 105. Mm. The fit, the fit is right. He hits it long. He's got a great little short game. He's playing well. He's played well at this event before. Wyndham Clark to beat uh, about a third of the field or so minus 105. And Patrick, you've done it. You are offering us the clean sweep here on JT. KP, you weren't on the show last week. Uh, actually, two things. When you first tweeted out your rankings, I thought you like struck a partnership with KPMG or something if we're talking mm-hmm. about auditing. Um, and then second... If they're interested, let me know. <laughs> I, so, some of the bigwigs follow me on Twitter for some reason. Uh, but 
uh, last week, guess who I bet on for my best bet? Arguably the hottest player in the world. John Rahm? Rory McIlroy doesn't finish inside the top 10 for the first time since like the stone age <laughs> since he was, um, since, uh, yeah, <laughs> since he turned pro. Uh, so this, we got to like switch something up. There's some bad juju going around, but top 20 for JT minus minus one ten. This is the week the streak ends. Um, I guess I'm over six. Yeah, that's that's a tough one to look at right there. Uh, yeah, you are zero for six. Do we have the? Hold on, do we have the results for the other bets? Did we see those? Yeah, this is the this is the shot I wanted. Yeah. There's no way that's updated. This is the one. Yes, this is <laughs> very updated. No way that is updated. Absolutely. <laughs> I've I've won I've won almost as many best bets as I've won overall bets. Yeah. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. Um, we have one final thing to do, gentlemen, and it is the world's most dramatic one and done. Uh, we will reveal the selections, but first we will take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. I'm happy to announce, happy to announce that we got through this week's one and done selection process with no drama. Uh, everyone has made a selection. And these selections are locked in. They will not be allowed to be changed at any point over the course of the next four days. Uh, Before we unveil the one-and-done selections, I will say they're rather boring. Uh, There are a lot of familiar names in the one-and-done selections, and only one of us is a lone wolf. And it is none of us who are present here on this show right now. Damn. Without further ado, please release the picks. Here we go. From bottom up, Sia Najad has successfully entered a pick. Congratulations to you, Sia. Uh, that pick makes him a lone wolf, and it is Tony Finau, Patrick. It has been a long, arduous road, but Sia seems to be back on track. What's uh, Is it $3.6 million again? This oh, week for the winner? Yes. So, I mean, he, he knocks this one off, and it's his strategy. There's a strategy, right? He's a, he's a lawyer. We've talked about this. He, he'll mention it as well, as we've <laughs> said. He got to keep, like, KP, you used uh, Morikawa last week, right? For a miscut, and, and he didn't yeah. even use anyone. So, I think there's something. He's, run, he's crunching some numbers that I don't know about, I think. He's playing 40 chess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, there is a little. There's a little dispute in the chat. David says Sia successfully entered a pick last week. Uh, technically, I will uh, assure you that technically he did not uh, enter a pick. So that's pretty indisputable. Um, Kyle M, who we met, Kyle KP, we met Kyle M. We brought him up on the set. We took photos. We sent him the photos. He has gone with Xander Shoffley this week. Your pick as well. Yeah, I love it. Uh, great meeting, Kyle M. I think we picked. I think we both picked. Did he have more Kyle last week? I believe that's right. I think the Kyle's brains are melding. Yeah, we are. We are. Yeah, they are. Uh, no, it was great to meet him. Uh, Xander, like I mentioned earlier, super consistent, playing really good golf. The floor is high. He'll probably miss the cut, but uh, I am excited going into the week. That is right. The Kyles have opted for Xander. Kyle M is at 1.6 million. Kyle Porter, our Kyle P, uh, $3 million. Greg, Patrick, and myself have all opted for the same golfer. If you've been paying attention and following along at home, we know who Patrick has selected. Uh, Officially for us, it is Justin Thomas. So I'll admit the whole designated event being thrown in this year has really thrown me uh, throwing a wrench in my plans where I'm kind of nervous with how far behind I'm, I am. So it's kind of like a horse race. You don't want to be on the rail, come home stretch. So I'm using JT here. I probably would have liked to use them for, I don't know, like 12 other tournaments, but I, I need a big payday this week. I think. Is that, oh. is, do you feel panicky using them right now? Both of you guys? No. Well, Rick's in a much better spot than me. Mine is 100% out of a, a sense of a place of panic where I, I need to I need to get some I need a seven figure cash here. It's the second biggest payday of the year. Why? why how, how? Like Th- that's why I'm using JT. Yeah, exactly. So what could what could possibly be the panic? Well, it I is, mean, 
it is traditionally I keep, you think majors and everything. Well, but I keep forgetting that majors are are smaller payouts than this. Yeah, I'm going to use Sepp Straka at the Masters. Uh, I would probably, be a good pick. I wouldn't do that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- these are like th- this will be decided by the Wells Fargo, the Travelers, the. Uh, I don't even know what else. Riviera Memorial. That, that, that's what's going to decide. This. RBC Heritage. RBC Heritage. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but yeah, panicky. I am. I am panicked. The fans and the fans and Mark have opted for the same player. Mark, very excited, very excited to enter the selection of Max Homa. He told me about it last week in person. He texted it to me uh, as well to make sure that he was in. He asked me to send him the updated standing so that he could see his name at the top. He is very, very excited about the $3.6 million he got last week, and he will try to get another $3.6 million this week. So to recap from the top down. Mark, 6.7 million. Max Homa. Rick, 5.6. Justin Thomas, the fans, 4.1. Max Homa. Kyle Porter, 3 million. Xander Shoffley. Patrick, 2.6. Justin Thomas. Greg, 2.2. Justin Thomas. Kyle M, 1.6. Xander Shoffley. Sia, 814,000. Tony Fino. Those are the selections for this week's one and done. Sia was the, was the lone wolf. He was also the lone wolf last week. That is technically true. <laughs> Did you already make that joke? No, I like it. Okay. No, I'm I I've been I've been uh, I've been worn down by by Sia trying to get his you know he, it's crowd work right it's 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 like it's like when you're massaging the refs so that you know when when it's time for a big big crunch time call that goes in your direction I feel like that's what's happening. Is what he did worse than what Mark did though? Marks was bad. <laughs> let's be let's be real. Marks was Marks was bad. Um, we did we did have like sort of a it, it was like almost a grace period, like a preseason. Like you get seven fouls instead of six. That's not actually a rule, but if the, if that did that, if that happened, that doesn't make what Sia did. I think it's I, they're both bad. You got to yeah. think. See. See, it was like we we had the grace period, like we were talking about, but it was after. Like, but okay, so so the the intent of the rule, though, the whole intent, if we're going to talk about golf, the intent of the rule is so that you don't see who everybody else picked, because that because the information gives you an unfair advantage. It's like gambling. It's like betting on anything, and I'm unconvinced that it. I'm unconvinced that Mark even knows how to look and see who everybody picked. <laughs> he definitely does not. <laughs> and, and I'm I'm equally unconvinced that Sia was was using what he did to get an advantage. Now, it doesn't mean that you know, if you hit it in the water, you hit it in the water. Like it doesn't it doesn't mean that there shouldn't the rules shouldn't be carried out. I just don't know that it led to either of them getting an advantage for, for sure. But here's the big thing that <laughs> this is an entertainment product. Speaking of entertainment products, you have to have a pick in for the show. Cause the whole point of the show is to release the picks. I understand the golf doesn't start till Thursday morning. We have to put a show on. We have to have a graphic to release the picks. If your pick is not in by the time we do the show, you don't have a pick. <laughs> Thank you. I agree. And the I, chat's just going off. I, David, like I agree as well, Rick. It's just it feels a little bit double standardy. For what's the, what's the double standard? Well, we let Mark put the winner in, and we didn't let Sia get the third place guy in. It was a grace period, though. Tech, yeah, it was technically Mark's was later than Sia's. Sia's was what forty four minutes late. Mark was like twenty four hours late. Late is late. Did yeah, she like come to your house last night with a brown paper bag and like cold hard cash? No, this is more of a this is more of an attempt to get Mark pull Mark back down to the field than it is. I don't okay. really care about Sia. Then, <laughs> then I do. Then I do agree with you, Kyle. <laughs> what do you want? I mean, listen. I don't want to be. I don't want to be the uh, the dictator here. Do you want? Uh, do you want to vote for it? Should, the like, dictator. Do, do you want? Yeah, the rictator. Do you want to vote? Uh, we got three people here. We've got three rules officials. We can break a tie right now if you want on <laughs> on whether oh, on whether man. John on whether John Rom's money gets added to Sia's total. We can break a tie if you want to do it right now. No, no. I think I think we established. I think we established the grace period and it was over. And I think 
going, I think we should never have a grace period again, I guess is what I'm saying. I actually, I actually think the rules should be enforced, but that they should always be enforced. Like I, this is more of an anti, like Mark shouldn't have gotten the money than it is a CS should have gotten the money take. I do agree with that. Okay, so we're not going to put this up to a vote. No, sorry, Sia. No, I'm love sorry, you, bro. But justice for Sia is no justice. Reporting for Sia. that, re- reporting those comments. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Also, there's like a hundred million dollars on the line moving he's, forward. I think it's going to be just fine. He's tra- Sia's trying to turn the chat against us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's not. It's like. <laughs> It, this is the most dramatic one and done on the internet. It's always something. Yeah, I'd give him half the money. No, I didn't. Is, I'd rather give him all the money or none of the money. You can't give yeah, him half the money. A big asterisk on the season. I maybe. I, I mean, he didn't get his pick in. I'll march in the streets for this. <laughs> Rick, you got your uh, like Chris Harrison Bachelor most dramatic season ever going on. Yeah, right now. this is wild. <laughs> like that, this is where we would cut to clips of what happens later in the season, and it's just us at a major championship in a fist fight over what <laughs> over yeah. what the pick actually was, and like you know Dan Rappaport and Riggs are trying to peel us off one another. <laughs> that's that's what that's what happens after I end the show here. Yeah, see, see us here for the wrong reason. Yeah, <laughs> scenes from the next episode. I think that's a big talking point these days. They're here but for he, the, but the, he gets, the clout. He gets to keep Rom, right? Yes, he gets yeah. to keep the best player in the world. He didn't use Rom. He just got no pick. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry, Sia. The the justice for Sia is it feels a little. It's more like justice for the field with Mark's shenanigans in January. <sighs> I I slapped Mark's wrists when I saw him. I said, never, don't you ever dare. It was a a Xander burrowing hole situation. It really was. And actually, uh, to be clear, we also hooked up Greg and Sia with an extra 200,000 that week because Mark cheated. (laughs) We gave them money because Mark cheated. Yeah, we gave gave them the 200K min because Mark cheated. <laughs> That's so good. This has been the wildest. Th- we're just making the rules up as we go. I honestly already forgot about that. Too. Yeah, <laughs> forgot don't forget that. about that. Don't forget about the two hundred thousand we gave them. That's that's great. Our noses are clean. Let's keep them that way. All right, uh, that'll do it. Big thanks to not only producer Troy, but producer Josh doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Uh, for Patrick <laughs> McDonald, you can find him on Twitter at Amateur Status. You can find Kyle at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at somebody, Rick Run Good. Somebody said injustice for Mark. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>